0: you know I don't put them graphics on the screen. Glad you tapped in now, stay tapped in for the team. Hey, everything is posted. Go follow the socials. South hum and FF tag we get noticed. Welcome to South Hum, and we glad you here today. Welcome to South Hum and we glad you here today. What's going on, shitheads? Welcome into another episode. Of the new podcast, highly detailed episode two. This podcast is gonna be different than you're used to hearing. And the idea behind this is to take a different approach than what you're typically used to in the dynasty space, right? Kind of challenge your way of thinking while also giving you a little more of the personal side of myself. And by doing that, I'm gonna try to be finding ways to critically think as well as then make those critical thoughts into parallels, things that we can take back full circle into the dynasty space. Challenge the way we're thinking. Basically improve as Dynasty players. And for me, part of the reason I'm doing this is I want to improve as a Dynasty content creator. Part of the way of doing that is this is a solo podcast, which, I mean, it's a lot easier for me to do a podcast with somebody else, with Mike, with guests. A little more free-flowing. You don't have to do it all by yourself. But also, that's the comfortability for me. I'm used to doing a podcast with Mike or with somebody else. I'm not used to doing a solo podcast. Already by doing one episode of a solo podcast, doing it by myself, there I've found things that I like doing it solo. However, I've also been able to not really uncover yet some of the things I'm still uncomfortable with. Do I like it or was I just uncomfortable with it? Maybe it's not for me or maybe it's not the thing I'm best at. The only way to really find out, though, is go through the process and trying to make myself a more well-rounded dynasty creator. And while doing that, for me, it's a very big emphasis to make sure I'm also thinking about how can I be a more well-rounded dynasty player. And there are some things that connect between the two. But the more I think about it, the more I've been doing this, there are some big similarities and there are some definite differences to highlight between the two, which for episode two, we're going to go over players and coaches. So I'll give you a little bit of the personal side and give you some of my experience as a player and a couple coaches that I'd like to highlight uh, in this segment here. So when I was growing up playing basketball, started at a young age, third grade, um, had a coach, Coach Dine, a great coach. He was very animated. He was a screamer. And <laughs> imagine that, right? And you're, th- you're in third grade and you got a guy at the sideline screaming at the top of your lungs. I mean, today, a lot of people probably say, what's, what's wrong with that guy? He, he's lost his mind. He's screaming at these kids in third or fourth grade. They don't even know what they're doing truth was he was emotional but that was his best way of communication his most effective method and when you think about that the reason he was that way he was passionate he wanted very much to help the players the young kids develop early things traits characteristics abilities habits that a lot of people wouldn't get that young and that would put you on the road if you wanted to go play at a higher level and continue to work on your game, you're typically going to be above what the average curve is. And it's going to teach you a lot of fundamentals and the early basic parts of the game, such as help side. When you start playing basketball, you just think you're supposed to guard your man. You're, you're, you're hugging up on him on the sideline. If he's all the way away from the ball, you're guarding him. You need to be on help side, getting about halfway to, across the court so that you can help in case someone who's guarding a guy on the other side of the court gets beat. You want to help. Team defense, right? Establishing stuff like that. Ball handling. Using your offhand, whether you're right or left-handed. Using the other hand. A lot of different ways to help you improve and understand the game better. And while Coach Stein was a very uh, instructional coach, he did things with intention. And he had a very strong system in place, running certain offenses all the way through, getting a lot of the stuff that you'll find with Coach Peters. Same thing. high school coach but running the offense all the way through making the defense work really hard trying to get easy uncontested shots and be more disciplined on the defensive side of the ball so a lot of the same system type things one thing about coach Stein even for young kids he could see certain kids we had a guy named Aaron Davis he was a great shooter at that age well you're going to do things a little different on the offensive side when you have a shooter that good because you want to utilize that player's strengths so some of the offenses they were going to He designed to have some driving kicks where Aaron can shoot a three. A lot of kids aren't even going to be able to shoot any type of consistency out there, but got a shooter like that. Highlight the attributes that he has so that he can play to the best of his ability. Guy like myself, I was pretty good at dribbling and getting to the basket at that age relative to most kids. So a lot of times it was spread the floor and let's see if Adam can go just beat his man off the dribble. Sometimes that was the most effective way to go score. And for someone that wants to run the offense all the way through, pass, 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 with a very succinct offense, the ability to see certain players, you got a caveat to highlight their attributes. Something Coach Stein did from time to time. So while he was a great coach, he did have a good system. He did have a process that helped instill a lot of discipline and good work ethic and habits and making you a better basketball player. He was willing to go away from the process and understand certain players need a little bit different of a system or some type of caveat to the process in order to really highlight how they play. When you have a guy like Coach Stein, you're going to be set up pretty well. And when you go now to high school to play for a guy like Coach Peters, he was a very, very good coach as well. The year before he came, the team was uh, had some talent but was very, very underachieving. They were well under 500 for the year, and they moved on from the coach. They bring in Coach Peters. Coach Peters' style of basketball is pretty simple. But it's it's a brand that isn't necessarily the most fun, and that is on offense. Like I just talked about, as the young age, he had a very similar style. Spread the floor, work the ball around, pass, cut, move, make the defense work, sit down in a stance far longer than they're comfortable in an attempt to make that defense have a lapse or a breakdown, which is going to lead to a uncontested shot and try to get it as close to the basket as possible, getting really good shots. And by doing that, you're going to work a lot of the clock off. When you work so much of that clock off, it's going to make the possessions in the game limited. And because the focus on offense was really just essentially allowing the ball to move so much where the defense would would essentially make a mistake. You're cognizant about how you score and how the defense you can manipulate them. There was a strong concerted effort now because of your, that mentality on the defensive end, you're going to be trained to sit in a stance for a long time. You're going to be trained to move, not allow defensive errors if somebody did play this slow style of pace. Pretty simple though, right? Work the ball around on offense, get really good shots. By doing so, shorten the duration of the game, play really good defense on the opposite side, control the defensive glass. You're typically going to have more possessions. In high school, system that can absolutely work. Not necessarily the most fun brand of basketball. reason I get through all that is the system for the first two years of high school, freshman and sophomore year, With the team intact, those teams were able to run through the district, win a game in the Sweet 16 Regional Semi, and then go to the Elite Eight, one game away from the states, the Final Four at Ohio State, two years in a row. All right, Adam, we hear you. Now, where are you going with this? We'll get to that. Eh, Take it easy. We'll get to that. Now, I want you to transition completely. Hold on to that thought. I want you to think about the way that you right now and us, we have – a computer essentially on us at all times in our phone. There is so much content out there and new new creators are coming to the space all the time. There's content overload, right? And there's ease of access to get to it. Now, Mike and I, we started South Harmon during meeting in the Destination Debbie Discord and uh, Destination Devi, Ray Garvin runs it over there and he's, he has a saying, which right now is very applicable for what I'm kind of going to get into. And the, and the saying is, be mindful of the content which you consume. With so many places to get content from today, with so many new creators out there, people innovating and changing content, how do you differentiate who's a good content creator who's not? How do you differentiate good content from bad content? How do you differentiate where you should be putting your time with content? And ultimately, how do we be mindful of the content we consume? I know I'm guilty of, at times, aimlessly scrolling. I don't even know if I'm being mindful of the content I'm consuming at all. And that's something to think about. How do we be mindful of the content we consume? So I want to go back to... A point that I touched on, but didn't really highlight as the episode with the transparency from last episode, right? More of that was to focus on the failures and how you can improve upon that. Now, the tweet overall about being transparent was saying creators uh, need to be transparent. A lot of people are hiding being transparent. What what are you hiding? You got to ask, why are you hiding not being transparent about essentially what your record was, win-loss record as a Dynasty player? To the people that are listening to your content or your audience, or in general, just not being transparent about what you were doing as a dynasty player, and this tweet drew up a lot of buzz, and that's what happens, right? The controversial ones or the hot take ones that get a lot of traction because of negativity, those tend to be the ones that get a lot of traction or attention. They're controversial. I don't really like to get into a lot of the banter back and forth on X, I feel like a lot of times it's not um, harboring. People really wanted to have a lot of goodwill with each other, and that's something I honestly got to get better at probably this year, getting out of my comfort zone. If you want to have more tweets from me, let me know um, in the comments or somehow getting my DMs on X, whatever. Let me know if you want to see more Twitter action out of me, but I wanted to address it in a podcast form and really um, dive deeper because a lot of the context that was being argued back and forth, in my opinion, this is what I'm going to um, put out and say about this entire thing. Because Jordan McNamara, by the way, uh, shout out to him, he's a very good player. He's a very good dynasty player. He's got a very good process and talks about um, you know, a lot of the ways he's winning as a dynasty player. And because he's winning and saying you know, there, there's other people that aren't telling you what they're doing, in that, I'm not saying that he meant to do this, but the reason I think it caused so much buzz is there was an undertone of that winning in your league is what is going to help verify that your content is more qualified because you're winning as a player. And in, in essence, that non-transparency, or losing essentially, right? That implies you can't even win your leagues. So how could you try to claim to help other people win if you can't even win your own damn leagues, right? That for people that create content, I think is where a lot of the defensiveness came in and he, he highlighted this, right? It's going to cause a lot of people to get mad. I mean, he, he caught he a shot on that one. Now I want to though touch on this and I want to really challenge the way that we're thinking about this. And even as creators, right? And just this, I think there's a very big misconception in the tweet that wasn't touched on. And not that Jordan doesn't have a point, man. In the whole last episode, I I talked about the importance of transparency and also importance of looking at addressing your failure. So I've already kind of touched on why there is some points that he has. But the misconception, I think that I really want to challenge everybody here listening to this, whether you're thinking about it as someone that does create Dynasty content or just on the player side, right? You play you play, and you wear someone that consumes content. I want to go back to this players and coaches thing, all right? And think about playing the game. So I don't care really what team sport, you use football, you use basketball, when you're playing the game, right? What What consists of a player? So like for the basketball, just to keep it on that same wavelength, some of the things that players are going to need to do, right? You're going to need to be Uh, Some people are going to be effective passers. You're going to need to distribute the ball around. You're going to have some people that are going to be very effective dribblers. You're going to have some people that specialize in shooting. Uh, Some people may be more effective at rebounding, defensive, you know, keeping people from getting to the rim, um, causing havoc, whether it's being a fast, pesky defender. So many different ways that playing the game as a player that you can affect the game. And then you think about football. So one of the things for me anyway with football that I love so much is because it's, I think, the ultimate team sport. When you watch it and when it's going well for the offense, this is also true of the defense as well, but when it's going well on offense, it's like poetry in motion. You got 11 guys that all have to be in sync and doing something together as players. I think that's one of the most fun things to watch. And But also just as troubling, because it's such a huge team event, one person goes before the snap happens, false start. Could completely kill a drive. One person, everybody executes everything as a team. One person drops the ball, has a little mental lapse that can totally kill a drive. One thing can be such a big deal from one person out of 11 and vice versa. When all 11 players are in unison doing one thing and everybody's doing their job effectively, it's like poetry in motion. It's one of the best things to watch. One of the things I love about football. But there's so many different aspects in football, again, for a player. And when you think about that, too, there's many different ways to see teams win, both in basketball, football, any type of team sport you can think of. There's a lot of different ways that teams win games. And there's also, when you think about whatever team sport you're thinking about right now, there's many different ways to not just win, but there's many different types of championship teams. You look across football and there have been teams that have won games, becoming less common now because of all the different rule changes, but there has been teams that have won championships strictly because they were incredibly good on defense. And the offense really wasn't what brought this team about, but the defense was so good they carried that team to the Super Bowl. There's been some teams that are just ridiculous on offense. Think of the Rams back in the day. Greatest show on turf. There's so many different type of championship teams and ways to win the game as playing the game, and what dictates what a good player is. There's a lot of different circumstances and roles and things you can do as a player to be to make yourself good or highlight things that can be good for your team. Now, when you think about it from the other end, like coaching the game, and not that coaches and players don't have to work in unison, but there's a lot of things on the coaching side that are different than the player side. First and foremost, the coaches at no point in these games ever actually touch the ball. They never in any point, whether the game goes to overtime, there's no special period that the coach now is going to go play, have any real skill competition with the other coach to signify which team is better. The coaches, what they do, they're taking their understanding of the game and they're helping a group of players play the game. They're instructing the game. Part of being a good coach is finding effective ways to communicate with players, multiple different types of players. Actually, part of it is also understanding the players that you're going to be coaching, really taking a a deeper dive into, okay, this is the team I have. I just talked to you about, you know, some of the teams I had in high school, which is a perfect segue to circle right back to the high school situation. And Coach Peters, those first two years, regional final, elite eight appearance with the system in place, obviously proving his system's very good. He's a good coach. It's very effective going into my junior season, his third year. Tim Carroll was a senior. He was going to play basketball at Akron University. Between him and I, we had two very talented players that were peaking better and improving their game. So the combination of that, plus Coach Peters, I mean, we ain't just going to the regional final. We're not leaving without a W. We're going to states this year. Our rival in that district was Lutheran West. This year, they are undefeated, and they have a kid named Richard Samurai, who's about 6'10", 6'11", has a ton of high major Division one interest. Even though we beat him last year, people are writing us off, and you had Roy Williams actually at the game, North Carolina head coach, wanting to see him play. And Coach Peters, though, was very good in his system and the way that Lutheran West played with this kid as far as with his back to the basket shooting outside. His skill set and the way that they played they still played a pretty slow brand of basketball big guy half court we had a lot of defensive principles and system that coach peterson instilled and he put me on rich samurai anytime the ball would get down in the post which i was trying to front so it couldn't get there we double him and that would be we bring tim over to try to help that and anytime it would go outside although he was taller than me I'm quicker than him, so I would just get in his space. Coach Peters put us in a great situation with the system in place to succeed. I scored him. I rebounded him. He gets foul trouble. Fouls out. We send him home and that team home thinking, man, we are good now. Turns out, there's a new team added in the district, bedford Chanel. And this team, they sped the game up. They didn't have one player at, with as much hype, let's say, as Richard Samra, but they were very well-rounded. They were athletic, fast. That fast-paced play, and the way that they pressed, <laughs> that was extremely polar opposite. When you speed the game up, and you have that number of athletes, our guards could not handle the press. They beat us. Send us home. Fast forward to the following year, Tim has now graduated. The team that is now assembled is a lot different looking. Not nearly as tall as in years past. They are quicker, more athletic, and we are still playing the same system. That slowdown system doesn't really highlight some of the attributes for some kids that could really run and gun and get to the basket, potentially press on the defensive end of the ball. We still run the same system. So while the system still works and we get to the playoffs and didn't have as successful of a year, still had a winning record, uh, good team, once again, to lose to Bedford Chanel. No changes made, really. You, you saw you lost to Bedford Chanel last year. You have a different group of players, running the same system that doesn't really benefit or highlight them all to lose the same team. That system was great. And overall, when you look at the big thing, the big picture, yes, that system absolutely turned around what was a, you know, much, much worse team, but it was really beneficial for two teams and it wasn't nearly as beneficial for the final team. So overall, the process is still very good, but the system doesn't necessarily benefit every group of players. So when you have different types of players, it's understanding the players. And then ultimately for a coach, your job is to be positioning the different types of skill sets that you have. You using your understanding of the game to position those different types of skill sets to succeed. Understanding those differences, I think, is very, very key. All right. Now stick with me on this now. Okay. So where are you going with this, Adam? Well, let's think about this. Okay. You talk about some of the best players in their respective sports, Jordan or LeBron. I mean, we all, we all know it's Jordan, but for you, uh, you know, people that want to say it's LeBron, you got your Jordans, you got your LeBrons, you got your Tom Brady's in football. Uh, there's, 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 there's so many different players you can name as great, great players that have instilled on the player side, winning and, uh, being great winners. And there's a lot of different traits that come from that Jordan and Brady both obviously had that um, relentless winner mentality and both were able to um, dig stuff out of themselves and a lot of that goes back to the highlighting the episode one a lot of that was l- realizing the benefits and failure and constantly being willing to push themselves to different limits than a lot of uh, players and people they were going to be playing against in their eras and obviously with LeBron Jordan supremely talented when you're that supremely talented and you work that hard that's what you're going to get I want you to think about this okay Think about all sports. Uh, let's just use football and basketball for now. You th- not saying that you couldn't use baseball or other different ones, but just just think about for a second, like when you talk about some of the best players that have ever played and the best coaches that have ever coached, how many of the best coaches or even tell me how many players have turned into the also the best coaches of all time? None, none of those supreme, supreme winners turned into be the greatest coaches. Uh, I'm not saying that, they didn't have some some level of success as a coach. not saying they can't be, but just because you're the best player or the most supremely talented player or you do things incredibly well as a player, that doesn't translate to you being the best coach in the world. Think about it this way. You look at some of the players that had roles and understand the game, but end up being great coaches, sometimes it's not actually being the star player that necessarily correlates to being the best coach. A lot of being a coach is a different element. You do have to have an understanding of the game. You do have to understand processes. You do have to understand ways to put your players in the best position to succeed. But just because you're an extremely good player doesn't mean that you're able to effectively teach other people to go do that thing. That's one of the big differences in coaching and playing. And a lot of that comes from, I personally believe, not saying that I know everything, but when you look back at it, what are some of the qualities that make a really good coach? There's a, there's a lot of them, but one of the things, a lot of the the coaches that are very good, they're, they're good with people and they're very relatable. And sometimes the people that play at a very high level, they just think this is the way it's done. This is the way I played. And it's not necessarily as translatable to someone else that doesn't have supreme talent or isn't going to play a specific way that you played. And that's the way you're going to look at the game and operate as a player. And that doesn't necessarily translate as a coach. There have been successful players that were also very successful coaches. I mean, there's examples. There's Mike Dick. uh, I'm not trying to act like because you're a good player, you can't be a good coach. I'm just saying it's not the only criteria and it doesn't necessarily correlate from one to the other. So let's think about this now. Okay. What are the differences really? What is a coach? Really? When you think about it, a coach is a teacher, right? Coach is a teacher. My wife is a teacher. I can tell you this. My wife is a Spanish teacher. Now, while her understanding of the language of Spanish is very important, right? Like she had to learn Spanish in order to teach it, but her evaluation as a teacher is no longer about what she knows. Her evaluation is based on how her students perform and how her students do, right? (laughs) That's just the teacher lens. Now, the one difference is my wife or any teacher they're, they're going to be teaching you to obviously learn skills, but eventually the, the evaluation is based on a test and the test is done in a vacuum pass or fail, right or wrong answer, right? There's no extra elements of playing other teams, right? So there's no other teams in your league, like in fantasy or there's no other teams like in sports. You're not playing versus somebody else. It's just you and the test. Do you understand it or do you not? Did you pass or did you fail? What do you understand? So it's just teaching that that's being a teacher, Okay, but obviously because of the team element, there's more to being a coach than just a teacher. However, you are a teacher. Now, as a coach, the team of players that you're going to coach, they are the ones that go out to play the game, like I talked about before, right? And the coach's evaluation is based upon how the team and the players that he's coaching performs versus other teams. When you think about that, that's not just in sports. That's in fantasy sports. That's how we play the game of fantasy football. Really, no matter what it is. There's so many different factors. What what are the teams in the league? What are their makeups? Like, what's the market in your league if you're going to be trading in any capacity? Like, this isn't just dynasty. This is fantasy in general. Um, maybe it's not a league you can trade in, right? It's a best ball league. But <laughs> you're playing against the other teams in best ball that were drafted. There's So that that's the one thing. Your team is also going to be going up against other teams. So it doesn't just become this clear cut and dry, you know, teacher element. Do you know it or do you not know it? Well, th- think about that. If there's differences there, there's differences in what makes a successful player and what makes a successful coach. That does not mean that a successful player can't be a successful coach and vice versa. But what that means is just because you are you have the traits to go play the game and win does not mean that you're going to effectively give a strategy that's relatable to everybody, that everybody's going to go be able to take and win leagues there that way. It's not necessarily indicative of you being a great content creator or you being a great teacher of the game. Even if you highlight the reasons that you're successful, is it trans- transferable to the audience? Is it something that a lot of people can actually take, replicate, and make successful for their teams? Your success as a player is awesome. I'm not saying it isn't, that's, but that's different than you being able to illustrate a point and make it transferable to an audience and then them capture it and also be successful at the game the way that you are that's the difference in coaching for example i talked about you know coach peters he was a system coach and i'm not telling you that he didn't end up improving things and uh after i was gone he didn't change certain styles and they did have further success again he's a good coach but part of just running one system or saying this is the way that the game is supposed to be played and this is how i continue to have success in leagues that's not saying that's a bad thing, but think about it again from the coaching perspective. I want to be putting or you want to be putting people in position to succeed that go play the game, and sometimes the best coaches are the ones that are versatile, and their, their styles are different, and they're able to adapt to the players in which they're coaching. So specifically to Dynasty, just because you have a great Dynasty player or you have a great Dynasty record, that doesn't mean that you're going to be the best Dynasty coach out there. That doesn't mean that you can't be a good dynasty coach or do both. You absolutely can. You also don't have to have a great record as a player or a dynasty manager to be a great dynasty coach. Although you absolutely can be a poor player and a poor coach. And I do think part of what Jordan was trying to highlight is as new creators come into the space, there's no way to verify um, if you're putting out poor content, they're bad for you as a dynasty player if you do these and implement these. Is there any way to really say that you're a good coach, right? That, that's part of the problem is it's not like in teaching where you're going to have to go prove and pass a test to say, okay, this person is certified. You can go listen to content anywhere you want to, right? There's no person out there that's the you know, governor of dynasty content or any type of content out there. If you want to go make it, you can go make it. And that gets to the point again Be mindful of the content in which you consume. Let's dig deeper on this. There was a poll on X. I couldn't find the specifics on it. Didn't have enough time beforehand, but the essence of it, it was a poll that asked, well, like what was the most important thing for dynasty managers? And you'd be surprised that it was slightly over 50% that said winning. Uh, There was other things like, you know, team building and trading and drafting and all these different things. But let's just remove that for a second. Let's just say that from the standpoint that winning was the most important thing, Let's pretend that let's just live in the world and let's just operate that that's the most important thing for people to play the game of dynasty. Let's say from that standpoint, if that even was the case, the best evaluation of what is a good dynasty creator, or if someone's verified or should be um, putting out content, what makes their content like what transparent thing is going to make them a good content creator. It's not your success as a player. What really makes a good dynasty content creator for saying all things from this standpoint would be judged on how the audience is playing. How is the people that are listening to you? How are the people that are watching your videos? How are the people that are consuming your content, digesting it and putting it into their leagues? How are they doing in their leagues? How much better are their dynasty teams with your advice? That is the transparency. That is the criteria that would be what is evaluated for a creator. Not if you win a bunch of leagues or not. Think about that. If you're listening and consuming content, what you care about is your ability to capture and take what the creator put putting in front of you. So as a creator, did you effectively strategize it? Did you effectively communicate it? Did you put your audience in a position to win more games than they did before? Did you put them in a better position to win even? It doesn't even have to necessarily be exactly wins or losses, but did you position their teams to have better success? overall, that would be reflective of their win-loss record. So, it's not how you are as a player that really makes your content, or or you the most qualified, or the best Dynasty content creator. It's not you as a player. While being a good player makes you qualified to talk about it, doesn't mean that you're the best at it. It doesn't mean that you have great content, and that someone that has a bad record does. That is what this series highly detailed is really going to be highlighting is really critically thinking about the stuff you're consuming about the things that are out there in the Twitter sphere, you know, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know if that's a damn word X, what is out there? What are we thinking about? And, and challenging really the essence of what is important and what we're doing, whether that's as a creator or as a, you know, majority of people listening to this are not creating, they're consuming. And if you're a consumer, think about it this way. That's why I posed the first episode. That's why I think this series is so important. How do you play the game? What are your strengths and weaknesses? That's what the whole first episode really kind of gets into using failure as a highlight to figure out what your strengths or weaknesses are. You don't have to necessarily fail to really ask yourself those questions. I use my failure as a reason that you should be asking yours. Have you thought about it since episode one? What are your strengths and your weaknesses? Do you need help evaluating rookies? Like highly detailed. I'm going to start going into this more details as we get into this episode and the future ones. Uh, so you know what does that look like for you do you need help evaluating rookies do you want a different perspective just than your own right do you i don't know do you do you need help with potential opposing strategies like do you just want to know what other strategies are out there so that you can try to find ways to counter them right things like that do you want to learn a new dynasty strategy do you just want to challenge yourself to think outside the box push yourself there there's a big time reason to go to a multitude of different sources Um, and I think utilizing a lot of them is a very good thing. Again, Mike and I started South Harmon because we consumed a lot of content. We had our own thoughts, original thoughts, but we put a lot of stuff that we consume from creators that we thought were very good into our process. And that I still believe strongly as more creators come in the space, there's, there's going to be so many people that have effective strategies that play the game (laughs) that are going to become to putting content out there. There's people out there that don't create content that have so many strategies, probably that aren't even necessarily front of mind because they're not talked about. They're not someone that's creating content. So as more of those become available, yeah, utilize any source that you can, which will basically help make you more well-rounded, or it's going to make you have a better process overall, and maybe even more enjoyable for yourself. Again, this should be fun for you. So when you go to consume new content, you know, new creators, new strategies, different approaches whatever the case may be like ask yourself why are you consuming this content right why am i consuming this content let's start being mindful of why am i consuming this content doesn't mean that you can't consume it but why am i consuming it what are the reasons that i'm coming back here right if you if you stumble upon a new channel or a new creator what are you drawn to that keeps you coming back why am i continuing to go back there like what am i getting to help better myself and there's probably all kinds of different reasons. You, you could be going back just because it's good entertainment. If, if that's the case, great. Maybe it's a film breakdown. They do fi- great film strategy. Like they, they give you ways to evaluate rookies or players and say, based on this film assessment, this is like an extra little edge you can get. If that's the case, great. Maybe it's analytic data, right? Great. If it's an analytic tool like Koopa's warp tool or some other type of tool, a uh, league assessment tool, stuff like that. Great. Make sure you're conscious though, right? That's, that's, that's what I'm kind of saying here. Make sure you're conscious and thought out about why am I consuming this content and be honest about it. If you want to know more about like a creator's process, you can ask them like, how did they do in their leagues? How did their trades work? Ask them that if they don't provide you the answers, obviously, and you have a red flag because of that, I I don't, I don't blame you. I'm transparent. I personally believe in putting it out. If a creator has a reason they don't want to put it out, ask them directly. Maybe there's a reason, maybe there's something that makes sense for you or for them. That's not really my business, but for you and us consuming content, if they won't put it out there and you think it's a red flag and you enjoy their content or you've been putting it into practice, talk to them directly, ask them. If they won't give you an answer to asking the question, even like on the side of a DM and you want to stop listening to them, go ahead. But that's not necessarily the only criteria for if they're a good creator or not. I do believe personally in being transparent. I think Jordan has a good point about that. It doesn't have to be everyone's way. Okay. But here's the reality for me. I think that you got to think about. And as we push forward into this creation space, which is going to be huge and massive. And what do you want to utilize and what don't you like? What's the most important information about someone that you want to coach you? Go talk to the people in the community. That's my challenge. And that's what I would say. Go talk to the people in the community. Go ask some of the people how they did in their leagues. Based on the content that they consume from this creator, how did they do in their leagues? How did it help them be a better player? Did it not? Maybe, maybe you're finding that there's, it's a lot of fluff. They're, they're not necessarily get, translating to better results. Maybe that, for you, is going to give you pause if you want to continue utilizing them at Dynasty Strategy or whatever you think their thing is. If it's not going to help you win and that's your goal, find that out. Ask the people in the community. Like, has this creator helped them improve their finishes? Maybe this is someone that was really bad and didn't understand strategy at all, but they're better now than they were yesterday or the year prior. That does say that the creator is helping them get better. Everybody as a player starts from a certain point. Just because they're not the strongest player in the world doesn't mean that the creator hasn't helped effectively change and improve their game. So, again, where did they start? Have they improved? And like, ultimately, if you're asking that person in the community, you have a a chance to talk to somebody, what has this creator helped he or she with? What does it look like? Like, maybe there's some things that you haven't picked up on from that creator that can help you too. Maybe there's some things that has helped them that you don't really want to implement or that even after thinking about it, doesn't change the way you view the content. That's all fine. But I think that's the purest form. That's the most important information I want this person to coach me. Okay, well, well, what has his or her success rate been with the players, or the people that he's coached or she's coached? What has that team's success rate been? Not what they were as a player. Those are not the same thing and that's not the same correlation that translates guaranteed over the other. It can be, but it's not the only thing and it's certainly not the cleanest, purest information that we need to consume to decide who's a good coach. If you were going to ask yourself who's a good coach. And I mean, let, let, let's keep it a buck, right? There was a part, there was stuff in there back and forth, a lot of good stuff. And I, I, what I really respect about Jordan putting that out there is he was challenging the way that we think. I think this podcast is really challenging the way that we think, critically thinking about it. You don't have to necessarily take any specific thing. I'm going to give you points that I think make a lot of sense. I want you guys to take away from this what you want to. I'm going to position it for you to take it for what you will. But I'm challenging the way that you're thinking and I'm trying to improve myself as a creator, myself as a player. And hopefully there's a lot of things from both that you can take away from this. So while I love that he's challenging the status quo for consuming content, because I think it's a great point. It's a lot of what I'm talking about here. At some point, he's saying if you don't care about, let's not act like anyone's going to care anything more about their own team. Return on investment, stuff like that. If you just care about return on investment, Dynasty is probably not the thing that you're going to do. If it's strictly just cash return on investment, it's not the most friendly reward for your time. Uh, I'm not saying you can't have a good return on investment in Dynasty. You absolutely can. You can absolutely utilize this to win money. But if it's strictly just a money thing, return on investment, Dynasty is probably not the space in which you're going to do that for strictly a cash return on investment. Put it like this from the consumer side, right? If you're consuming content, let's keep it a buck. Let's keep it 100% fucking real. What does the consumer want? Like at the end of the day, do you as a consumer, when you take that, if it's strictly about winning for you, again, living in this land where it's all about just living primarily, if you just want to win, when you go to a content creator, when you go to consume content, your whole goal, if you're trying to win, you want them to help your team be better. You want to see that translate to wins and titles in your league. You could give a fuck about them winning a bunch of leagues for their own. You don't care about their pockets. I'm not going to tell and try to you know point fingers or tell anybody how they go about their business. All right. How you go about your business is your thing. But for me, what I don't understand ever from the creator side of you as someone that's trying to create and get better at doing so. Everything as a creator is about having an audience and putting stuff to make your audience benefit from that in whatever facet they care about. It's about the audience. For me, you can say whatever you want about how you feel. I'll tell you how I feel. I am always going to put, if I'm trying and passionate about being a dynasty creator, I'm going to put the audience first, because that is the people, and those are the that's the community that we're helping build that I'm trying to make successful. If I care about being a dynasty creator, I care tremendously about their success, and I'll put it ahead of mine, because that's also indicative of me being a good creator. They go hand in hand, and I think that's another key highlight, again, between the player and the coach. There is distinguishable differences between the two. Now, all right, Adam, so I'm following you, but... Like, what, what are you really getting at here? Let, let's think about this and really start future casting this. I don't care if it's from the lens of a creator, um, you know, a coach, or it's from a dynasty player. You just want to consume and become, make yourself a better dynasty player. For me, I want to become a more well-rounded dynasty creator this offseason. Part of doing this solo podcast is in an effort to become a better creator and thinking about this from that coach lens I was talking about. Like this podcast today, much of the advice that I'm going to be giving this year is thinking a little more outside the box as a player's coach, right? Not just saying this is the way I play, this is the way I believe works, and that this is the system you should implement. As a player's coach, as a creator, I may tell you, okay, this is what I personally would do. I'll get, I can give you my success rate. I can tell you that I failed last year. I can give you my success rate in years past. I can tell you, you know, what my strengths are. What are things that I do well? What are things I don't do well? But when you ask for my help, part of my growth and challenge to myself. Is to be a coach and ask questions back like be a little more probing how am i going to position people asking me questions better so if i was a coach and let's use the basketball lens again right if i was a coach and i want to become a better coach of my players i need to observe i need to evaluate like what are some things that i can do to help them specifically like i can be as a coach i can give you tips and tricks and show you things that have helped me as a player improve but when you ask me a question I, I'm going to do a little more probing and I could, I could say, Hey, this is what I would do. And here's why. However, so let's pretend I'm coaching McNutt and Mike, right? So I'll say, all right, Mike, do you want to tack off the dribble? Or do you want me to help you set off of a ball screen and catch and shoot? Right, Th- That could be an example. Like, are, do you, are you, do you feel more comfortable with the ball in your hands coming off of a ball screen, trying to get you open with the ball? Or do you operate better running off of a screen off the ball and getting am I better off to put you in a position to as soon as you get it, catch and shoot, which way am I helping you be in a better position to score for our team? Right. Okay. So let's, let's pretend Mike says now, you know, he wants to attack off the dribble. Okay. So you want to attack off the dribble. Cool. Uh, are you more comfortable really like going to your left or your right? Like when I set this play up for you coming from the out of bounds, do you want to be coming off the screen dribbling with your left? or You want to come off the screen dribbling with your right? You know, he'll give me his answer right left or right. But let's say, you know, as a coach, I don't know. I don't really know. I'll do either one. Okay. All right. Well, well let's think about this. Are you looking to shoot first? Or are you looking to, like, after coming off the screen, are you looking to pass first, but you'll take whichever's there? Okay. So let's say I pose that to Mike, the player, and he tells me, you know, he's looking to shoot first. Of course, it's magnetic. You he know he's looking to fire that thing up, right? So he's, because he tells me, now I'm looking to go ahead and fire this up, and I'm going to go ahead and shoot this shot. All right. So you shoot first. So you're looking to shoot, but if the, if the defense either doubles or a guy comes up, Obviously, you can make the play with, and pass it. But if you're looking to get a shot coming off of this ball screen, I'll tell him, okay, you don't know? Well, let's have you, if you're equal, let's have you coming off the screen dribbling to your left. Now, why? You don't really know why? Well, I'll tell you from as a coach standpoint, something I would tell, tell Mike is, all right, when you come off this screen with the ball in your left hand, when you go to shoot as a right-handed person, right? So this is assuming Mike shoots the ball right-handed, all right? So if Mike shoots the ball right-handed coming off of that screen with his left, The ball is going to be in his guide hand while dribbling and the left hand as a right handed shooter is your guide hand. So while it's dribbling in your guide hand, your guide hand is going to be able to pick the ball up and you can get your right hand under the ball cleanly as opposed to coming off on your right hand side where the ball in your right hand, you got to get, you got to kind of turn your hand over and then now you get yourself to the guide off of that. You're going to be more effective and I can show him from what I've learned or understand about the game. If he doesn't give me a preference there, now I can help guide him. But I'm but the whole point of that is that I'm trying to figure out what things are most comfortable for him and how as a coach I can take the things that I know and position Mike McNutted, which is hard to say because you know he's out here flaunting, but I'm just playing. But I'm trying to position Mike to help his team, to help him be the most successful. As a player, I want to have Mike in the best position to make him successful, which ultimately is going to make the team successful, right? As a coach. Now, that's what that would look like. Okay, so now now let's say, all right, well, that's the coach, Adam. Let's talk dynasty, damn it. All right, you got it. So let's talk dynasty. So let's say now um it's Mike again. And Mike says, you know, all right, Adam, what do you think, man? Should I take the 102 or should I take Dak? Now, me, when I would go to answer this question, by and large, before. I'll give you a reason and I'll tell you, yeah, I'll take 102. Like 102, you got your chance at Marvin Harrison Jr. Or if Marvin Harrison goes at one, you get your choice of quarterback. If you really want to have just a quarterback, you've got Drake May. And the pick overall is going to have a lot more value at this time of the year. Now, the reason I'm giving that is because myself as a player, that's the way I play the game. Here's the truth. What do you do when you ask me, right? What do you do when you ask me that question? That's what fucking is important. And as a person that's thinking this out as a creator and understanding all the different little elements of a game as a player, what I'm trying to be more dedicated to doing is becoming more and more aware of the differences and how to make sure I'm positioning the people that want to listen to me, that want to become better as Dynasty players. How am I helping them? What am I constantly assessing and working on as a creator? To help you with your process. So using what I know. What my expertise is. What my experience is. And all the things that I sucked at. That I've learned from through failure. How am I using all that information. That knowledge. To help you translate. To the most successful version. Of you as a Dynasty player. That is what I need to start doing a lot more of. And that's one thing. That I want to challenge everybody here listening. Think about that. Even if your creator isn't good, isn't doing that, what I posed in the first episode: start thinking about how you play. If you're a creator, go ahead, man. You you could take you could take this from me. I I am not trying to act like I'm some savant or knows everything, but this is how I'm approaching it. As a creator, think about that for yourself. Is what you put out there to everybody consuming content is it based on just how you would play the game and what you believe is the best process? And not saying that that can't be fine. Put that out there. Say very clearly, I play the game this way. I believe this is the best process. But are you asking if they're really going to do that afterwards? Like that, I think, is the next step for me as a creator. Take, take, Take from that what you will if you're a creator that listens to this. Okay, now on the player side. So let's, you know, again, you're the player. You're the Dynasty Gamer. Talked about in episode one. Evaluate who you are as a player. Now let's talk about highly detailed. Let's really finish this on that highly detailed note. Let's evaluate the details of your game. Why are you here listening to this podcast? Why are you playing the game of Dynasty? Do you like to team build? Do you like to just stay connected to your friends? Are you, uh, I don't know, are, are you a football junkie that just likes to have a little something extra to keep it interesting, but you want it from the long-term perspective? I don't know. I mean, there's there's all kinds of different reasons. I'm just kind of brainstorming, giving you some here. Do do you actually just want to win the money, right? Is it, is this strictly an ROI thing for you? Like it's a process only thing. Like you're, you're literally here for the money. Do you want to have like a sexy roster and team build? Are you, are you a franchise convert that, you know, you converted because like you just had to build on, on franchise mode. By the way, that's a lot of how I started. Like, but is that the main thing that's important to you now is having a team that, you know, is young, sexy, and, uh, when you look at it it's like man look at this dynasty team that i built like i can look at this and be like damn that's look at what i built man that's crazy i got all these young guys and they're good and i have a chance to contend whether that's true or not we can debate on that another day but is that is that the process that you have is that what you're drawn to and that's what you're wanting to do are you are you somebody that while you may have touches of this and that are you just obsessed with your guys are you a go get your guy player like are you not going to have the most fun if you don't go get your player? I'm not going to air out who I had a discussion with recently, but he said, yeah, like, I like a lot of the process and a lot of the different stuff. But at the end of the day, man, for me to have fun, I got to have one or two of my guys. It's just the way I play. Is that is that part of it for you? What, as a player, when I talk about highly detailed, what is it for you that draws you to the game? What is it for you that is effective and successful for yourself if it's about winning and pushing yourself to become a better dynasty manager you know are you obsessed with having the young guys there's there's all different things that could be drawing to you now let's talk about it from again highly details let's talk about the details from the you know strategy side i guess you say like do you excel at dynasty strategy all right let's just say it generically how, how so what does that look like like do you have a strict approach to roster construction maybe that's what you have you know do you do you really like understand roster size starters and, and bench size is that one of the things that for you differentiating that between your leagues you do a very very good job of that are you good at reading and dissecting your league mates like are you a psychology person right are you able to say man i can go into this room almost like in poker like i can figure people out i can see the moves they're making and i can strategize my team around that like that's my dynasty strategy is that is that what you excel at do you excel specifically in lineup, right? Like in lineup, you can kind of use roster construction <clears throat> in certain things specifically for your strategy that you have a lineup strategy. Is the same thing in best ball, you could basically say, right? <laughs> Do you just have a strategy that's very, very effective on best ball? Maybe some in lineup, but not really as much. That Like your, str- your strong suit is best ball. I don't know. There's so many different things, but like, can you sniff out differences between the the position crossovers, right? Like, can, are you someone that's really good at understanding the scoring of your league and then saying, okay, positionally quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. This is where I should be valuing it. Basically. Are you a human warp machine? I guess is what that would be, right? Like, are you, are you able to just kind of see all that and internalize it and make it warp for yourself or have a very good understanding of what warp might look like relative to that? Like what makes you a strong player? that is ultimately what i'm saying in the highly details go detailed in it really ask yourself the questions and, and you can go further than that i'm just trying to give you clear critical things to think about as a dynasty player go through those what are you strong at and then now also by doing that what what are you not good at so do you struggle with like rookie evaluation let's say like you're not the smart you're not the one that understands the classes all the way through, throughout right you you maybe have heard some of the guys in 24 because they're becoming more common across creating platforms, but you're not really familiar with the 24 class. And you're also not someone in the past that's done well when drafting rookies or understanding what traits to go after. Like, is it rookie evaluation? Is it, um, you know, some other thing, what are you weak at? And then like, for example, if it was the rookie evaluation or if it's some certain specific thing, are you better off with that weakness? Part of your way of improving it, is it outsourcing to a dynasty creator? Like, is there a dynasty creator that's really good at rookie evaluation? Like, again, like, is someone really good at film? Is someone, does someone have the analytic process? i not gonna, you know, say who could be the best at that or who couldn't be, but like, for example, uh, we do stuff with C2C. The C2C guys are great at it. Destination Debbie has guys that are good at Destination Debbie, Debbie players, college players. There's all kinds of different resources that may be better at rookie evaluation so they don't necessarily have to have the criteria of being a highly winning dynasty strategist across leagues are they good at rookie evaluation maybe you're outsourcing your rookie evaluation prospect evaluation because that's just not something you're good at maybe it's one of the things you want to improve and learn so you can be free of mind and do it on your own Maybe it's one of those things you're not as interested in though, right? So you're just going to have it where you can live and be comfortable with going off of what that creator's assessment is and understanding they're better at it than you and just trusting their process. You can live with the results because you don't feel good about it at all. There's levels to it. And I think it's being open and honest about it and then highly detailed about it and how you want to approach it. How many leagues do you plan? Like that's going to, that should actually be at least a part of considering what your strong suits are, and how you're going to play and approach the game. You know, if you're in five to ten leagues, let's say, or less, you in that type of a portfolio are, you should be really exploiting and thinking and doing a lot of digging in your league specifically. You know, what kind of little traits can you pick up on, small edges you can pick up on. Not saying you can't have a portfolio approach to it, but you don't have a gigantic portfolio where you have to, um, or, you, or you can't put the grind work in on some of those microdynamic things. Like, are you willing to let go of certain love players? Like, is that something you can improve on? Or is that something that realistically you're not going to have fun if you don't let go of certain players? It, and ultimately, are you going to try to really still be one of the strongest winners, but you know, you're not going to be able to let go of that. Okay. That's fine. It, be honest about it and be open about it. Or are you saying, you know what, man? Okay. Even though I'm in five or six leagues, I don't have to have Jamar Chase in all of them. I don't have to have, you know, JSN in all of them. Whatever your flavor is. You don't have to have your specific guy there. Maybe you could diversify. Yeah, I can let go of this guy in three leagues. Like, think about these things. Be honest with yourself about it. And then, you know, do you plan to scale up leagues? Okay, so let's say you had a good year this year. You were in eight, ten leagues. Are you going to plan to go add another ten leagues? Okay. Have you thought about what that's going to be for you? Like, I'm trying to put out all the stuff for me as a player and as a creator to help people think these things out ahead of time. You know, if you're going to get into the the higher levels, you know, 20 pluses, it's definitely getting way up towards 30. It's going to be a lot harder for you to grind every square detail of your league. Not saying you can't if you want to put the time into it, but just be understanding of if you scale up leagues and you're going to play some microdynamics. Are you going to really appropriate? Do you Have you thought about, do you have enough time to really scour over these? If you do, you have the time investment while scaling up leagues, cool. If you want to scale up leagues and you want to still be really good, start looking at other creators or people that play in a higher portfolio. What are some of the ways that they do it? What are some of the ways they get around playing in more leagues if that's something you want to do and you want to improve and you want to get better at? There's all kinds of different ways you can think about it, but there's so many different approaches. Like I really want to get highly detailed. In the way that we talk about these things, in the way that I address them as a creator, in the way that I think about them as a player, and anyone that's asking advice or or asking my personal opinion, making sure we're going through. I want to be highly detailed in thinking about what that looks like for you, what that looks like for me. What does that look like for anybody? If you're new to best ball, right? We talk about South Harmon best ball. That's one of our things that we are better at talking about. In best ball, if you're new to best ball, if you really want to be successful at winning that league, you're going to have to get uncomfortable in your first attempts at it, at tearing down. So, yes, in lineup leagues, you're going to love some really star-studded players. You know, you're Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross St. Brown, A.J. Browns, all those type of great receivers. Not saying they're not very good in best ball. Not saying you don't want to have them in best ball. But in best ball, You're better off, especially where the rosters are 25 or longer, right? You can have 25 or higher players. You're better off taking two very good receivers, like even honestly wide receiver twos a lot of times. And that's very uncomfortable for people in lineup leagues, right? That's one of the strategies. If you want to be a very strong player in best ball leagues and dynasty, you're going to have to be making trades like that, which feel uncomfortable for you at the beginning. Is that something that you can implement though over time? Like if you're wanting to get into best ball leagues, you're new to it. And that's something you don't think you're going to be able to do. Like you don't just have to make that one time. Part of being good in best ball is doing that over and over and over again, applying the process, seeing it all the way through. So can you not just tear down once? Can you tear down multiple times? Can you basically multiply assets well past your comfort zone to make your team optimal? That's like a best ball thing you're going to have to do. For me, I was someone that it came into this when creating content, Mike and myself, we were big running back truthers. Now, that point was wrong, clear this day, based on what happened in 2022, and there were signs pointing to it. So we were on the wrong end of that. Now, when I, I go back and think about what I was talking about from a player and the situation we were running into, right? If you were a running back truther, that was a very viable and optimal strategy for a while. Recently, even like within the last five years, for example, that system we were running at CBCA, it was effective. We got to the elite eight two years in a row, but guess what? If you just kept doing that, if you just kept having this running back robust RB room, eventually some of the situations can change. The The points for the running backs aren't the same year in and year out. That position is being treated differently in the NFL wide receivers, team builds, you you still could have a team that looks very much the same as you've been playing. The system hasn't changed, but your results have because of what's going on in your league, right? That's kind of some of the points that I'm trying to make sure I highlight on the way out here with the personal stuff. Then think about that. It, if you have a system that's out there. I mean, it, can be, it can be very good. It can be a very good system. It can be a process that's going to work out well for a lot of teams and overall is going to be a good process. But it may not, it may be so different than the way that you're really suited, wired as a person. You may be wired to the point where that process for you is really unrealistic to try to go and implement that over and over again. doesn't mean you can't play Dynasty. It doesn't mean you can't ever be a good Dynasty gamer if you don't want to play this specific process way. And also, not to mention fun, but just even as a good player. You can have other ways of approaching it than a specific process that makes you a good player. And also, certain processes aren't going to be the best suited for you, the way you're wired, the way you play, and maybe because of things that you're unwilling to give up or you think are your strong suits. It's going to clash. That's what I'm talking about. I'm trying to use a little more details here so you can think that system while it's a good system, it does work for somebody. It's, it's not fun. Like I don't, I'm not going to have any fun doing it. Or you can't see yourself being so disciplined that you're going to be able to implement this process and, and, and basically remove your bias and your personal feelings. And you're basically going to contradict this process over and over throughout the year. So, you know, it's not really the best process for yourself because you're going to end up buying players that you like that goes against the process and you're not going to be able to Stop doing that like okay it's not for you. do something else figure out another way another angle there's so many different ways to play the game that you can be successful. be open and honest about it and be very highly detailed in why you're consuming what content you're consuming. Ask yourself the question what is it bringing for you how what what exactly do your strong suits look like and then why are you playing this way? Think about it who what what do you want out of your coaches? What do you want out of your dynasty creators? Are you being mindful about it even? What does that look like? If you're a dynasty creator and you listen to this, are you thinking about how you can evolve as a creator and help your audience further? I'm not even saying you change your process, but for myself, I'll just, I'm not going to speculate why you were bad or where you can improve. For me, I'm going to be a little more clear and articulate. This is why I would do this. The reason I would not give you that advice though, or think about doing something opposite than the reason I play, if you're not going to make multiple trades in a row, or you feel like you're going to go into the season, the better asset would be Dak Prescott, because I think he's going to be better than that specific player or pick in the start of the year. But I, the way I play, I'm going to have that 102, I'm going to have so much time to make so many other moves. That's the reason I'm going to take that 102 right now. I I got a lot of love for a lot of different dynasty creators out here. And this, please don't mistake this. And I'm in no means am I telling you that you should be, you know, really starting to think and cut your dynasty creators. That's not at all the case. Am I helping you as a dynasty creator? Is whoever you're listening to helping you as a dynasty creator? Just be aware of what that is that, that they're providing you. Why are they a good resource for you? How does what they're putting out help you out? If you want to cut me, cut me. I want to provide and change and improve my process as a creator. This podcast here is different because I want to be a little more personal. I want to do this as a solo show. These first two kind of blend together, right? Using different corollaries with sports and the game of Dynasty. Not everyone is going to be personal for me playing sports. How This is always going to translate. There's going to be some that's sports stories. There's going to be some that's a little more personal and totally different lenses. These two kind of blend together. They're setting the tone and setting the stage as we move forward to episode three and others, where sometimes we're going to get very detailed in a specific category. Sometimes we're going to go down just a strict strategy. This is something to really think about if you're going to implement this strategy what are the differences here we're going to talk about some players sometimes we're going to talk about pick values and startup values and uh, players are absolutely part of the game so we're going to talk about that but a lot of it is going to be challenging yourself and trying to think about outside of the box ways to improve and change the way that you're viewing and approaching this game of dynasty becoming more aware of your process at a minimum at a minimum when you listen to these Become more aware of the way you play. If you don't want to change it, like if you become more aware and you're feeling like you just want to continue this, you still think it's the most optimal way to play, do that. That's fine. Absolutely no problem with that. But by becoming more aware, you're going to have a chance to really address and improve as a dynasty manager and take the next step in becoming highly detailed.